All right, everyone, welcome back to the old switcheroo where we're talking gaming retro with Mike and JMO. I'm Mike. And I'm JMO. Join us as we power slide our way through all 200 plus games in the Nintendo Switch online retro catalog. Today, we're going to be boosting into three games that are um, very beloved, and that's going to be Super Mario Kart, Mario Kart 64, and Mario Kart Super Cir Circuit in an episode that we are calling Rainbow Road Warriors. And Mike, speaking of Road Warriors, <laughs> yes, that is a potentially offensive Australian stereotype. We have a very, very special guest, someone who's actually incredibly special to you. Would you like to introduce her? Uh, yeah, my wife Kat has decided to join us for this one as we delve into some racing games. How you doing, Kat? Hello, I am Kat. I'm gonna do my plugs now. <laughs> Yeah, you're a you're a cross stitch influencer. Well, I'm trying to be. Um, so I have a Fortitude. I'm trying to do the Instagram thing. I'm hoping 2024 is a better year for this. But I am on all the socials under Cat Can. Sorry, that is Cat with a K. Yeah, K A T C A N S E W. Now, how long have you been doing cross stitch? Because like I literally can't <laughs> sew a hole in my sock. Like I do not know how to fuse two pieces of cloth together. So I am internally impressed by people who can do what you do. So I've been cross stitching since I was thirteen. So we're not going to discuss how many years that is, but we will say <laughs> twenty. Sure. And I have been sewing. Um, I do cosplay and some dressmaking which i have been doing since i was about 17. what's your favorite thing to cosplay slash cross cos cos stitch that's what i'm calling cosplay okay. costume um, making. So anything geeky um right now i am currently working on a critical role npc character cosplay Ooh, that's the D, D podcast is that right that's the D, D live play that's been going for about eight years my cousin's super into that. Yeah. I didn't know you listened to that. That's cool. Do you play D&D, Kat? Um, I used to. I need to find yeah. a new game. I was getting back into it and then COVID happened. So I just need to find a game. I just need to get the... Now that things are getting better yeah. world-wise, um, I am going to try and join an Adventurers League and maybe hopefully through that find a regular game. So my favorite tabletop game is Monster of the Week. Have you guys heard of it? Uh, no. I think so, yeah. It's a fairly recent one, right? Yeah, it came out a couple of years ago. Mike, you're going to get a kick out of this. It's based on supernatural daytime television. So Buffy the Vampire Slayer, X-Files, Supernatural. And your goal is not to, like, survive so much as your goal is to make a good episode of television. And so as part of the rules, like you get to make up backstory for other people's characters on the fly. So you can be like, oh, yeah, that's like the time you saved me from that, uh, you know, um, roid rage alligator. And like the other player just has to yes and. And now that's part of their backstory. You know what I mean? It's super, super fun. It also allows for not having to have a campaign. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've been, I've played it once. It was my favorite night of tabletop gaming I've ever done. And I'm super eager to get back into it. Um, and also speaking of rolling the dice, um, can I just ask, I just don't even know, how did you two meet? Cause you've been married for several years now. We met at Star Wars Celebration in LA in 2010 or 2007 first. Yeah. Were you cosplaying Kat? Lando. Wait, wait, you were, you were cosplaying as Lando or Mike was cosplaying no, no, no. as Lando? we met in 2007 i came back out again in 2010 for 
Star Wars Celebration in Orlando. And Orlando. that was the trip <laughs> where I got to know Mike better. Yeah. Got you. Okay. In my defense. <laughs> Go oh, ahead. In, in your defense, they sold shirts that where it had the word Orlando, but then it Tell had Lando it. standing in front of it to block out the R. So it just said, oh, Lando. That's beautiful. Okay, I was going to say, you have a Star Wars um, uh, event in Orlando, and it's just confusion slash great um, branding is going to happen. Um, well, so guys, um, can we jump into our first game today already? Yeah. Yes. Let's do it. Let's talk about Super Mario Kart on the SNES. It was released in 1992 for the Super Nintendo. I'm going to read the official description on the Nintendo Switch Online emulator. It says, um, select one of eight characters from the Mario series, offering a variety of different dri of driving styles, and take on three championship cups in three different kart classes. Win enough and you'll be unlock a fourth circuit, the ultra-tough special cup. Crossing the finish line in first place isn't an easy task, though as each track has unique obstacles to conquer and racers can obtain special power-ups that boost them to victory. For a different kind of challenge, take on a friend in multiplayer races or go head-to-head -head in the battle mode arena of your choosing, where the object is to pop your opponent's balloons before you lose your own. With more than 15 tracks to master and nearly endless replay value, Super Mario Kart is classic gaming with some banana peels thrown in for good measure. Pretty cute uh, description. Um, let's go to our kind of cover art comparison, because oftentimes people's first impressions of these games was seeing the box on the shelves. And um, we're going to start off with the Japanese cover. Uh, it occurred to me we should always start with the Japanese cover, because most games are released in Japan first. So, Mike, Kat, what do you guys think about this illustration of Super Mario Kart on the Super Famicom system? That is really cute and adorable. And yeah, for those who aren't on YouTube, you basically have all the racers kind of driving towards the camera um, in sort of like a big cluster at the turn. What do you, but you said it was cute, Kat. What strikes you as uh, adorable? Oh, here? it's just, I really like this animation style. Yeah. Yeah. It's very like kind of early 90s, late 80s sort of look to it. Yeah. They're, they're kind of squishy, like they're. Yeah. Everything's kind of a little bit more rounder. Mm -hmm. Um, where yeah, to the late nineties and everything got to very sharp angular lines and not a fan. It does That's remind true. me of like the animation style for like the cartoon. Yeah, yeah, it's super cartoony. You know, the image, I would say the image is a bit crowded, but that's kind of the point because you have all these racers kind of colliding into each other as they make a turn. They do get all eight on there, so that is nice. Yeah, yeah, it's impressive. And, you know, there's also little subtle details, you know, you can see in the background you have, like, you know, a, a seashore and there's some rolling hills. So it gives you a sense of, like, you know, you're going to be driving through, you know, some level of varied environments, I would say. You know, and then you got Luigi collecting the coins and the little item boxes on the ground. I like it. Donkey Kong looks weird. Well, that's not Donkey Kong. It's Donkey Kong Jr. Okay, Donkey <laughs> Kong Jr. looks weird. They are distinct characters. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but uh, the Donkey Kong sequel has you playing as Donkey Kong's son saving Donkey Kong. So can we talk about the North American cover? Because it is, you know, by and large the same, but I think it's a little worse. What do you guys think? Like, I guess I'll put them side by side for you. It has the same issue for me as the game. Um, <laughs> it hurts your eyes to look at? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the... I Honestly, I have no idea if my issue with this game and the, the problem with my eyes 
is because it was designed for CRTs. Is that something you're not used to? Um, no, I'm wondering if the colour quality didn't translate as well to the old TVs as it yeah. does to the new digital, like, TVs. Yeah, And yeah, yeah. as such, the colour quality is just sharp enough that it hurts my eyes. But on an old TV, it kind of got muted a little bit and it would have been fine. Right. Yeah, everything wasn't so bright and, like, sharp. <laughs> as you said, things were a bit rounder back then. <laughs> I, I think it's just, like, it is that... They really super saturated the colors. Yeah. I like that. I miss the yellow background of the Japanese cover. And I think Yoshi, it's like, so it's, for those who can't see it, it's, it's pretty much the same image, except, you know, you got a little bit more detail. Toad is pegging Bowser with a red shell and Koopa Troopa is about to run over a banana. And Yoshi is just facing dead on the camera. And I think it just, it doesn't strike me as as well drawn. So even though they added more elements to it, I'd prefer the Japanese cover. And I think Kat pretty obviously does too. Mike, what about you? I would say I think I prefer the Japanese cover as well because I think on the US one, it doesn't it doesn't feel like these are all meant to really be in the same drawing. Like there's very variances on like there's no shading on Yoshi on the US cover. Right. Whereas there is on the Japanese cover but even on the US cover like Mario and Luigi up front have more shading and then it kind of feels like less detail was paid the further back you go and it results in the care it feels much closer like all the characters were copy and pasted on here yeah without rather than being one unified thing to the point that like Koopa is almost I'm almost <laughs> willing to believe that they copy and pasted it out of like the original Japanese asset yeah, and, I mean, and just flipped it. But even Mario has got no shading either, and he's right at the front. He's got a little yeah. bit. Yeah, so I think you know, unanimously agree the Japanese um, cover is yeah, a bit uh, a bit more appealing, I'd say. So let me give you guys some Super Mario Kart trivia. It was published by Nintendo, and it was directed by Tadashi Sugiyama, who Mike, we actually played a game of his, but I didn't realize it because he. Uh, published it under a pseudonym. Uh, he was went by Sugayan, and only Sugayan, when he uh, directed Zelda II, The Adventure of Link, which you know was a game I very much enjoyed. Uh, and it also was directed by um, Hideki Kono, who directed Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, including the Booster Course Pass, which um, just released its 96th track. For Mario Kart 8. So that has 96 tracks in it. Can you believe that? You guys have played this, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was a kind of a trick question, Mike. Kat, do you know that Mike cheated on me with the booster course pass here? He was supposed to wait for me to play the LA course. And then I guess he played it in Australia because you guys got um, some of our potential listeners to download the booster course pass. Yes. Yeah, so in while we're staying in Melbourne, um, this was kind of the game we were playing because the friends we're staying with are very much racing game people, but they play, like, I have no idea what even they play. Kat, I have a question, because Mike kind of painted this as a, well, I had to play without you, because it'd be rude not to. Whose idea was it to play the L.A. track? Did did your friends and family pick it, and Mike just had no choice, or did he go straight for it because he'd been dying to play it like I had been? Um, Honestly, I don't know, because when we're playing in Australia... Yeah. I may have mostly been cross-stitching because I was trying to finish a project. 
we played through every single track. So we'd what had happened wow. is we played through the initial ones. Yes. And then it was just Well, there's more. There's more. And it's like, wait, seriously? It's like, yeah, like there's this many. And it was just like I, I gave them a full like Nintendo Switch along line pitch. And so when they right. added it, it was okay, let's go through and do all the rest. So did you guys play all 96 together? Yes, we we played every single cup. So for those who aren't aware, this booster pass we're talking about, you can uh, you get it if you get the Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pack, or you can buy it separately for, I think, 20 bucks. And it doubles the number of courses in the game, and uh, most of them are redos of previous tracks, but, you know, they get better graphics and anti-gravity sections. It's honestly pretty freaking cool. But, Mike, doesn't it kill you that there's no, like... 96 race tournament mode or even like a create your own cup like i want to do a cup of just rainbow roads you know what i mean you Wouldn't can't have been fun i would say i think you can do that because you can do multiplayer where you're selecting selecting and it, you cannot do more than sorry you can't do fewer than four races when you right, do that so you can select any four. Oh, can you yeah oh i thought you had to select them by cup okay no, when you go into that, you can do that. And you can also select up to, you can do up to 48 games, which I do not have nearly the energy <laughs> to do that as like one go. Oh, yeah. So how many, how many, how many sittings did it take to get through all the tracks? Honestly, we did all the original stuff one night and ran out. And then like <laughs> and then two nights later, ones. we did yeah. all the new ones. Very cool. Yeah, so this uh, expansion pack was directed by Hideki Kono, who also directed the first Super Nintendo game. And um, Mario Kart is a really unique game entry because it created a genre. There was no kart racing game before Mario Kart. But unlike a lot of other genres, it's kind of the undisputed king. Like Crash Bandicoot, Sonic the Hedgehog, they've had their different kart racing games, and some are more successful than others, but none have ever come close to the success of the Mario Kart series. According to VintageIsTheNewWorld.com, Mario Kart is the best-selling racing game franchise of all time, with 152 million copies sold. Any guess, you guys, on what the second most popular racing game franchise is? Cat, I don't know if you've played it, but Mike, I know, definitely has played it. I want to go Need for Speed. Oh, my gosh. You called it. You did. But here's what's crazy to me. To refresh your memory, Mario Kart, 152 million. Need for Speed, 150 million. I, I cannot believe it's even that close because I've, I've never talked to anyone who's not Mike about Need for Speed. This but is what Mario I used Kart. to play. Oh, really? Yes. So I was a PC gamer. Right. Um, we always we never owned consoles in our household until okay. my brother got a PlayStation 2. And, and so um, Need for Speed was a game you played? Need for Speed and uh, Road Rash were my racing games that I used to play because that's what my brother Wow. Liked. That's so funny because, like, Mike, as a young lad, played Need for Speed and Road Rash. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't even know it, but your stars were already aligning. But still, though, I mean, there's no Need for Speed theme park ride. Like, the Need for Speed movie. Actually, Mike, Kat, have you guys seen the movie? Apparently, it's pretty terrible. Um, Actually, I think we we watched that in Australia. No, oh, did you? Yes. Yeah. How, what'd you think of it? Um, Not much of it. Not Yeah, not terribly, terribly much. 
I think I recall it being somewhat cliche. Like the best thing going for it is I think that that motivated us to watch um, Gone in 60 Seconds later. Oh, I've always wanted to see that. I've heard that's fun. We watched a lot of car themed movies. Yeah, because I also I introduced her friends to um, Death Race 2000. Oh, that's a fun one. Um, Sorry, my so- brain's still broken. How did neither of you have? How had neither of you seen Need? Um, gone in sixty seconds. I, it's you know, it's weird, Cat. You're absolutely right to be baffled because I feel like it. I feel like I'm gonna love it. I've just, I'm not avoiding it. I just never kind of came across it. It has Angelina Jolie and Nicolas Cage, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds fun. That it I'll has an amazing that. cost. Yeah, I'm just not. I'm just not a car person. I've never really. Like Fast and the Furious, I if 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 those weren't so ridiculous, it would not draw me. Yeah, which I, and I think that's why with this, I'm not surprised that Need for Speed does this well because it is a very different approach to racing. Yeah, and so I think there's an appeal in a lot of those. Like people were stay, staying with one was playing a whole bunch of Forza when we were there, which is uh, a little bit yeah. too real worldy for me. <laughs> but like, I'm definitely definitely always been as far as racing much more a fan of like cruise in USA than I am of Mario Kart. Okay. Well, you know, um, Mario Kart, we've, we talked about this on past episodes, but it used um, a revolutionary type of graphics uh, called mode seven. It allowed the system to rotate and scale a background layer. So cat, this might be partially why the game's kind of hard on the eyes, um, at least in terms of watching it move. Uh, and especially in split screen mode. So, you know, your character isn't actually moving. The background layer is spinning and sliding beneath you. And I learned, Mike, in my research for this episode that your position in 3D space in Super Mario Kart was determined using a proprietary chip called DSP-1, which was capable of floating point and trigonometric calculation. Any idea on what those words mean? I'm pretty sure I know what trigonometry is, but floating point calculations, is that just how to figure out where something exists in 3D space? Floating point is basically that you're dealing with decimals rather than dealing with integers. Oh, this always becomes very mathy. I've noticed. Well, and so to give the illusion that these characters are in fact in 3D space, each sprite was drawn from 16 different angles and at various sizes. And uh, this simple concept changed video games as an industry because Super Mario Kart was originally just a generic go-kart game. But the developers thought that the generic characters became too muddied and hard to read when viewed from certain angles and especially at a distance. So one of the devs suggested that Mario would create a more recognizable visual and the rest is history. Um, This was the first game to feature Mario as a playable character outside of a traditional Mario game. And then that gave birth to countless spinoffs and it cemented Mario as the highest selling game franchise of all time. And it was all just because of this, you know, hey, maybe Mario would be easier to see. And I thought that was really fun. Um, and, you know, Mario Kart, super huge franchise. Without spending too much time on it, what do you guys think of the ride? Because I know a lot of listeners might not have ridden it yet. I thought it was really impressive how the Mario Kart ride sort of incorporates animatronics and also overlays it with a sort of game screen on your visor. Did you guys like it? So we haven't ridden it since uh, the park officially opened. Right. You saw the preview, like the special insider preview. Yes. So we went to a preview night and unfortunately when we rode the ride, the loading room 
screens didn't work. Oh, so it didn't explain how to play. So we didn't get what we were supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah, what Kat's referring to is that you aim shells by just looking with your visors and pressing the horn to, like, shoot. Sorry, continue. Yeah, so we had no idea what we are doing. So um, I didn't actually enjoy the ride because oh. I couldn't work out. Even though we paused a couple of times, I couldn't work out the mechanics of it. Yeah. Um, It was cool to go through, but I'm like, I, I'm missing something. Yeah. I do want to go back in. Unfortunately, the ride is still an extremely long wait time most of yeah. the time. Yeah. And I don't have that kind of patience. <laughs> Mike, did you like it? Somewhat. I I don't recall it being nearly as taken with that as I was with more of the world that they'd built built around it. Oh yeah, like the Mario restaurants and the little interactive like animatronics that kind of dot that part of the park. I would say even not necessarily the interactiveness of it, but just the honestly, I appreciate how much of it was practical. And so on some level, the ride kind of trying to do this augmented reality thing wasn't quite as appealing to me yeah i get you yeah because the um the mario area in universal it has like fully animatronic piranha plants that i swear they're like a two-story building size like they're enormous and then like actual coins you know spinning in the air but they're physical like you could touch them if you want to get kicked out of the park <laughs> which i guess would probably be cat's job to kick you out if that happened i uh, know because i don't work in that area so uh, okay <laughs> So as far as trivia for Super Mario Kart, this is my favorite one that I found. The awards ceremony. Mike, Kat, did either of you guys play enough to get to the sort of podium moment at the end of a cup? Yes. I'm kind okay. of hoping that this explains why there's a giant fish. <laughs> well, the giant fish is just a Mario character um, that, you know, would kind of float around and suck up items in one of the other games. But did you notice that um, Bowser or Peach were swinging champagne bottles in sort of a kind of a strange way? Did you encounter that screen? Not with them. Okay. So Bowser and Peach, at the end of a tournament, will just kind of swing these two bottles back and forth. But that always struck me as sort of an odd animation. And T-I-L, um, in the Japanese version... Bowser and Peach down the champagne. Bowser waterfalls it into his mouth until it's fizzing out the front. And Peach gets all blush in the face from the um, alcohol flush reaction. <laughs> I'm not surprised they took it out, but it is going to come up later as like this strange sort of, what's it called when you like turn something adult? Sort of scandalizing the Mario characters in the Mario Kart franchise. So I got a chuckle out of that. Let's go into the joy pros of the game, because I have a feeling you guys are going to have a lot of joy cons about this one. I think that, you know, it's the world's first cart racer, cart racer. And to me, it's easy to see why this literally created a new genre of games. It's to me, it's colorful. It's got a lot of character to it. it sound, sound effects are really exciting. You shoot a shell and it's like, Boo! and it like has this like, like nice whap sound when it hits you. And I thought it controlled surprisingly well. I didn't struggle too much with sliding around corners, at least when I was playing alone. It felt a little worse when we played together. Is there anything you guys like about this game? <laughs> I, I, was, I would agree with you in that as far as the handling, there was sort of precision that it felt like it did have. Um, and I think I was using Koopa because I had the recommendation that Koopa does not spin out as easily. Oh, where'd you learn that? That's a great question. I cannot remember <laughs> where. 
Gotcha. One of those uh, schoolyard secrets. Honestly, I think that that came out of Facebook in the last like couple of weeks for me. Huh. Okay. In discussion on this game. So this one, honestly, I was like, I don't know why I liked playing racing games. So you really hate it. I struggled with the controls. The controls are not intuitive. And by that, you mean like when you're steering, it doesn't really feel like your cart is reacting the way you'd expect it to? No, the buttons that you press are the wrong buttons. Oh, because <laughs> the B and A are swapped. Um, yeah, and the fact that the item drop is the A and not the trigger. Yeah. I was really struggling to get to drop items because I would have to take my thumb off the accelerator. Yeah, that's true. I always kind of rolled my thumb to hit it as opposed to removing it entirely. But the trigger is a much better system. You're absolutely right. So the and uh, like I said, for this one, my my opinion is not great. Yeah. Um, so on the pros on this one, um, I'm guessing that as a it probably was great as a honestly, I wonder how different it was playing, as I said, on a CRT t- television versus a right. digital television or an LCD. Just to see if it's like a bigger comfort for you. Yeah, because I wonder how that muted this colors because the colors are so vibrant. The colors, cat. The colors. <laughs> the I don't colors know if you got that my eyes. Yeah, because <laughs> it's just so bright. It's so bright, and um, you know something else I liked about it. You know these collectible items. I kind of got to give this game credit for it. Is this really novel concept? I can't think of any other racing game, especially from the time that would have had these like collectible weapons. And I thought they added a extra level of engagement to the game that even some modern racing games are sort of lacking. Like I like Forza too, Mike, but like on some level it's like, man, I really wish I could just shoot a missile at the person in front of me. And you know, this whole item system, it'd get fine tuned with adjustments and additions as the series goes on. But this game is unique in two ways. First of all, the item boxes you collect are one-time use. Once you drive over that item box, it's not coming back. So that does give a slight advantage to the people in the lead because you could run over an item box and the person behind you in every other Mario Kart game, you can kind of slow down until the item box respawns as opposed to having to like swerve to get a different one. Can't do that in this game. The item box doesn't respawn. And this is also the only game to feature the feather in the race mode did uh mike you want to talk about the feather because you seem particularly good with it yeah so the feather is an interesting one especially and i think it's especially because this game does not treat anything as three-dimensional really i explain so something like the thwops that are incredibly annoying and will come up in the joy cons yes (laughs) don't exist as three-dimensional objects right you're either on the ground or they're effectively not there oh i see what you're saying yeah yeah and they so they're not truly rising and falling they're correct. appearing and disappearing yeah 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 and so there's a lot that just kind of treats as the, effectively you are on the ground and the feather allows you to be not on the ground yeah which it, um for those who've never played it before the feather l- jumps you up into the air yeah and it gives you some real height i think i I think I may, I can't remember if I have it on something when I was actually recording, because I did stream this yeah, on Twitch. 
was I think I cut a corner with the feather at one point and I just jumped over a bunch of lava. You can, yeah. The feather, it, it, it was removed from every racing game in the Mario Kart series after this one except for a battle mode in Mario Kart 8 because you can really break the track design. You can skip whole sections if you're good with the feather, which I thought was cool. Yeah, I thought it it was very satisfying because it was it wasn't a guaranteed thing and because it was very much where it applied it was very fun because it would be a i think this will work let's see what happens and figuring out just sort of where your limits are on it yeah so i did i actually did enjoy that item quite a bit and then the last thing i would say about the items as far as joy pros is that you know mario super mario kart it's got a battle mode and you know it's not it's not very fun mike would, would you agree with me Cat, would you guys agree with me? The battle mode on the Super Nintendo, there's no real reason to go to it. I don't. Yeah, think. I think it doesn't really have much precision. Um, I do appreciate that the manual has two separate tips that are basically look at the other person's screen. <laughs> yeah, screen watching uh, caused a lot of arguments in the 90s. It's a split screen multiplayer game. There's like four tips there on on battle mode and two of them involve look at the other person's screen. Well, and I think they had to say that because if you weren't looking at the other player's screen, you'd never find them. It's so hard to see each other to the point to deliberately shoot at each other. And it's a graphical limitation. I'm still counting it as a Joy Pro, though, because it's there. And other games weren't doing this. Other games, you know, in the 90s, you wouldn't have a racing game and then also this weird battle mode attached to it. It felt special. It felt like a big swing. So I think it gets credit just for the attempt. Yeah, I think it just suffers that it really doesn't feel like there's the sort of either the precision out of, out of it for what you need for the weapons to be more useful or that stuff like the red shells sort of aim at things, but not great. Yeah, it, the, the homing shells. Well, they're almost always going to hit something. <laughs> yeah, because they're, they're doing much more of a straight line path. They go out a little right. bit and then just kind of make a straight line. And on the battle, there's too much stuff. Yeah. If you look at the screenshot I'm showing you, like every little fleck on the ground is a wall. So you'd have to really, you have to really be close up on your opponent to make it kind of worth it. Kat, any love for the battle mode? Did you try it at all? Um, so I have not, because we, we did play this. The biggest, I guess, advantage was, um, you as you said, the graphic issue, you couldn't tell where your player was. The number of times I thought the green shell when they were bouncing around were um, Mike's character, and I would go for them. <laughs> yeah, because Mike's playing Koopa. He literally has a green shell on his back. Yeah. That's hilarious. I never thought about that before. Yeah, Mike is sort of disguised as a weapon. <laughs> so I would have to like look at the map to tell me where he was mm, so I could rough. Uh, work around that. Well, so let's stop sliding around it then. Let's get to the Joy-Cons. So, Kat, you know, you, it hurts your eyes. It makes you wonder why you liked Mario Kart. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest about Super Mario Kart? Oh, but I also don't like the controller layout. Yeah. <laughs> controller layout hurts your eyes. It's <laughs> it's not a lot going for it in your mind. It's also really slow. Like, if you hit a wall, it was really slow to let you turn. Yeah. There's no, so there's no reverse. run off the track... Instead of it being a, like, really quick, I can get back on the track, it would take a really long time. And I'm yeah. terrible at this these tracks because there's nothing – because it's so flat, 
yeah staying on the track I was just terrible at it and I was like I don't enjoy this I'm not liking this and we played this a lot and we're playing on 50cc because I just I haven't played for so long that I just don't have the skill anymore that gets even worse because and granted this this is a limitation of what they could do at the time but the walls that you cannot drive through are flat to the ground right and so they are very difficult on some of these races to actually spot where the edges of walls are. And so there's a lot of coming to a stop because I cut a turn too tight and hit, you know, the pixel corner of a wall that doesn't really stand out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to take anything away from a game that literally created a genre. It's just a difficult game to recommend if you have access to more modern versions of Mario Kart. And I actually looked it up. 43% of Switch owners have Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Like, nearly half have that game. So there's an extremely good chance you have a much better Mario Kart to choose from. And I agree with you guys, you know, without any actual 3D architecture, which I understand was not really possible at the time, but it's it's sort of like trying to go back to watching a silent movie, you know? It's, like, interesting from a historical standpoint, but, like, it's inferior in every other regard. So it's safe to say neither of you guys beat Super Mario Kart. It depends on how we want to say beat. Okay. In so much as, so one of the interesting things, so we've got the, that this has the 50 and the 100 CC. Yes. Different speeds slash difficulty D- Different levels. speeds. And for some reason, you can beat the three cups that it has available on and get gold on them in the 50 CC. Yeah. And that's it. You do not get access to the fourth one. On a hundred on a hundred CC, then I can still get gold on the first three. And that fourth cup, the fourth cup, the first track, is uh, basically impenetrable to me because there's some jumps that I honestly do not know how the computer does yeah. every time. And I can't get past that sixty percent of the time. This used to be a thing in game design. I don't know if you guys remember that, but like you'd be playing through a game on easy mode and you'd get like two thirds of the way through the game and it'd be like, you want to see the real ending? Play on play on hard mode, you loser. And like, you know, so to me, that's what they're doing. They're making sure you can't see the last tracks until you, as kids would say, get good. So I'm not totally confused by that decision of not letting you play all the courses on the lowest speed. It's definitely something they abandoned in every Mario Kart since this one. Yeah. I think where it's an issue is when a element of your game is leveraging multiplayer. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. It's no longer... It's one thing to be like, this is a single-player game, we expect you to do this. But if the idea is like, play this with people, and then you make it in a way that you can't play it with people, yeah, that is a frustrating thing. To... The credit of Nintendo Switch Online, the SP mode at least does get, start with gold on all the cups, so you get access to everything. So what do we want to consider beating these games, you guys? Do we want it to be that you got gold, you got a gold cup in every tournament, or do we want to be it that you rolled credits? I think roll credits. Okay. So that being said, did you beat this game, Mike? No. Okay. Did you? I intended, Mike. And cat. <laughs> I, I actually got 
the gold in every one of these, but I rewound like a fiend. I was rewinding, you know, every time I would screw up a turn, you know, I, I really cheated to to accomplish this, but I still had fun ish. Yeah. I will say, I also <laughs> found it really frustrating that I noticed it with this, that it is, first of all, each of the characters, the other, the other racers gets their own ability that it seems they can use rather a lot. Yeah, Yoshi's the ability to lay an egg. What are some of the other ones? Luigi's is a star, which is incredibly frustrating. Wait, like the power star? Yeah. The dun, 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 yep. That one, the invincibility thing. Yep. Luigi gets that more often or is the only one who gets it? He can just... Because um, I think they the other characters aren't picking up random weapons. They each have one thing that they can do. So I think like Toad's is a poison mushroom donkey kong's the oh. banana bowser's a fireball okay um, mario is i think also the star yeah and almost every race i did it was having to deal with luigi and yoshi as the two that were going to beat me <laughs> and so you're saying it wasn't balanced it wasn't balanced and luigi with that star would basically turn into if he made any contact with me, I was out of this. Yeah. It sends you flying. So like that was very frustrating as well as I think the way it handles again, a thing that impacts you differently from the other racers is the coins. Yes. They speed you up if you get more of them. And if you get hit, you drop some and are now slower. Yeah. And that was particularly brutal that like any contact with another racer would lose you a coin. Yeah. And I think it's, if you're out of coins, you'll spin out. And it was situations where I'm like, you know, if I hit Toad, that should not be a penalty to me and not to Toad. Right. Yeah, you're you're incentivized to avoid the other racers, which is kind of like the opposite of bumper cars and therefore not very fun. But if Toad would hit you, you would still lose the coin. Yeah, so that's like capitalist bumper cars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it, it was it. I mean, it it was the house always wins, basically. Yeah. Yeah, unfair. Yeah, and so it made it very frustrating to the point that I didn't think this was particularly fun racing against them. Okay. I was doing time trials, um, actually motivated by another gaming podcast, the Retro Gaming Lads. We're doing a Mario Kart mini tournament thing where people posted their screenshots of their tra- of their lap times. Did you compete? I did. Um, And I brought up the rear by a good five seconds, which is roughly what I was expecting. That's not terrible, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played until I got a point where like, okay, if I submit this time, this is not that embarrassing. Yeah, it's like you you, you gave them somewhat of a run for their money. Yeah, I think it was vaguely in range of the, the back and a fast enough time that I think the first person wouldn't have lapped me. Um, which doesn't really okay. five laps on this thing also feels slightly grueling, and 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 five courses per cup. I'm less bothered by that. Okay, <laughs> I think I think it's because when it's broken up over different tracks, it's like okay, if that track went badly, I've got four to s- sort of balance things out. Whereas on a race, if you do badly on a lap often that means you are out of it for the race and you still have to finish. You're just like, well, now I'm, I'm definitely not placing well. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a little bit of 
I feel like more races kind of lets you average out bad runs, but longer laps just means that you're, or more laps just means that you have to be on it longer. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's demands you perform without error for a larger period of time in a way that feels a bit demanding. 100% with you. So, and I think my biggest con, you know, is just the, the tracks feeling so flat. Like, did you guys have a favorite course? I honestly don't really, because they all kind of blend together to me. Um, you know, not really. One, one track doesn't feel like, you know, that different from the other. Yeah, you can't, you say not really. Mike, did, did any of them stand out to you in your memory? I like that island one, because that one just feels incredibly easy. It's just you're going around an island. It's kind of like a big circle. Yeah. yeah. Is this the one I kept falling off? Uh, that was many of them. This is the one that... It was... <laughs> He's like, the answer is yes, <laughs> but this was the one that was like beaches and water. Yeah, well, but did th- th- this one have was that Bowser's no, the ghost castle where I just couldn't stay on the track? Yeah, yeah, this isn't that one. I mean, that but I'm, that's my issue with a lot of the ghost courses. I feel like those are always difficult because this is so flat. There was some that were like the edges of the track were the edges of the track. Yeah. Oh, and I suppose yeah. we should mention also that this is the... F- so we have the first appearance of Rainbow Road. Yes. And that Rainbow Road is incredibly frustrating. It's a tough one. Because the jump that you can't seem to make without a boost. There's that, and there's the lack of e- edges to the track at all. <laughs> and, and if you get squished by a womp, it keeps falling on you, and you can't back up or accelerate fast enough to get away from it. It sort of traps you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the swamp's just brutal in there. Um, And it's tough to tell where some of them are in some cases because there is not really much depth perception. Yeah. And so there's a couple spots where it's like, oh, that one is further back than the others that I thought are all in one spot. So it is the set a rainbow road beginning point, but I'm glad it moved on. Speaking of moving on, I think we've said a lot of negative things. Can we go on to the next game in our series today? Yes. Yes. All right, so guys, let's get something different here. Let's go on to Mario Kart 64. All right, Mario Kart 64 released for the Nintendo 64, of course, in 1997. Um, this is a game that is very dear to Mike and I, I know, and it seems like Kat's a fan too. Um, let's read the description from the official emulator on the Nintendo Switch Online Retro Catalog. It says, three, two, one, go! Put the pedal to the metal. That was a good Mario voice, you guys. <laughs> Did you hear that just now? <laughs> Put the pedal to the metal in this worthy successor to the classic Super Mario Kart game for the Super NES. Uh, with improved courses and a revolutionary head-to-head four-player mode, Mario Kart 64 is sure to win the heart of any race-driving fan. The game includes 20 different courses filled with dips, valleys, jumps, tunnels, and bridges. Smooth, precise control will bring players back time and time again for free-wheeling fun. Uh, Pretty straightforward description. Surprised that they don't mention the battle mode at all. Because, like, I love the battle mode. I know Mike loves the battle mode. I would have thought the description would have mentioned it. So, going for first impressions here, Japanese box art. What do you guys think? I'm showing it to you here. For YouTube viewers, you know, we got Mario sort of in the dead center looking at the camera. And then there's a wheel behind him, or I guess a tire behind him with the different character names. Any thoughts on this cover, you guys? 
I think his left wheel is bent. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, go-karts at the professional level do have, like, sort of very independent suspensions on the wheels, so you can really take turns uniquely. Um, But it does sort of suggest he might be about to crash or something. He's very CGI. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it very much is pushing it. Hey, Nintendo 64 does 3D. Right. And it's at the expense of the of other characters. <laughs> yeah, because they're not even here. They're only here in name only. Yeah. Uh, what's the one on the to the right of Mario? Mario's I'm name. I'm so glad you asked, Mike. That is uh, Toad's Japanese name, which is Canopio, a okay. portmanteau of Pinocchio and the Japanese word for mushroom, which is Kinoko. Or in other words, it's implying that Kinopio is a real mushroom boy. <laughs> kind of cool. Interesting. Yeah. And then, of course, you got the Japanese name for Bowser being Koopa, because he was King Koopa. Right. I, th- that one didn't strike me, because I'm just like, oh, yeah, Koopa's a character, but it's not that Koopa. Yeah, well, but I mean, in Japan it was. Yeah. But it's I, not that Koopa when I am thinking of Koopa. You are thinking of a Koopa Troopa. Yeah, which was just the called Koopa on the previous yeah, I, game. I get you. Totally get you. So, uh, but I mean, then you got you got Peach, not Princess Peach. So they're kind of just going for like a last name thing. But I do see how that's a little confusing. I thought that was just casual. Yeah, exactly. So I nothing. Don't, I don't acknowledge her sovereignty. <laughs> peaches, 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 Mike and Cat and everyone. Take a look at this cover, though. Oh, this is a chef's kiss cover. I love the North American cover. What do you guys think of it? I like this one better. Yeah, definitely yeah. much better. What do you like better about it, Kat? It's more dynamic. Yeah. I like that this one very much seems to have decided to tell a full story to this. So, yeah, it's it's not just Mario in the dead center. For people who aren't on YouTube, uh, you got Mario racing towards the camera with Wario, Donkey Kong, and Bowser right behind him. So sorry, Mike, go ahead. Yeah, and so what I think is interesting here is on the SNES, you have this cover that's just all eight characters racing towards the finish. Yeah. This, because of the characters they chose, this feels very much like a good versus evil kind of thing of Mario trying to get away. Because all three of those basically play as, this is my mind, play as villains to Mario at some point. Like, it's sure. not... Mario and Luigi racing to the finish line. It's Mario trying to get away from villains. Antagonists. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Donkey Kong, Bowser and Wario. Yeah. It adds this tension to it. Well, and also like the speed lines, like you just, you really get a sense of speed, probably greater than the actual game. If we're being totally honest, but everything is blurred. Wario is like, he's either power sliding, but the panic in his face kind of makes it look like he's about to wipe out. Mario has sort of this kind of cocky sort of like, you know, yeah, I got it's almost like the Luigi Death Stairs origin, just but it's Mario, of course. I I love this cover so much. Um, anything else to say about it before I give you some Mario Kart 64 trivia? Yeah, I think it's just I think I prefer something a little closer to that feels more race, but I appreciate what they're going for here that has this more this tension with just those characters. Yeah. Well, so Mario Kart 64 was directed, once again, by Hideki Kono. He directed the Super Nintendo version. And this game was um, debuted to the public at the 1995 Shosenkai Software Exhibition as Super Mario Kart R. 
and it went through some big changes before commercial release. The mischievous magic Koopa Kamek was originally a playable antagonist character before he was later replaced by Donkey Kong once they worked out the deal with Rare. Um, Donkey Kong took Kamek's spot. And it would not be another 25 years until Kamek would finally make his way as a playable racer in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So I thought that was kind of cool that they eventually did him justice. And um, we mentioned earlier about Super Nintendo Mario Kart censoring Bowser and Peach's drinking habits. Well, this game also had some interesting illusions originally. There were billboards in the original game that were parodying real companies. So Yoshi won. Yeah, I got a screenshot here showing Mike and Kat. <laughs> so Kat, do you get the joke? What is that supposed to look like? It's Mobile One. My dad used to work for the Mobile Refinery in Melbourne. That's why I find that Oh, amusing. did he? Oh, you should send him a screenshot of this. That's so funny. So you remember this logo? Oh, yeah. It was on, you know, it was on stuff always at home. <laughs> That's so funny. You should get him a Yoshi one. Oh, I don't know. Did you, Kat, so did your family game or just you? Um, My brother more than me. Okay. Um, but like we grew up with PCs, like I can only ever right, remember so having PCs. Well, I'm glad this got a laugh out of you because I like, clearly that's what they intended. And this one, I think you guys are gonna kick out of this. Get check, get a load of this one. Cat, <laughs> <laughs> would you mind explaining what we're uh, looking at on YouTube here? Um, so it's Mario, yes, Mobro. Yeah, sorry. I, I did not expect that to sound so funny when said out loud. I haven't tried to say that. Mario. Ma, how'd you do it? Mario. Mario. Ro. Instead of Mar. How, I can't even say the cigarette name. How do you say that? Marble. Anyway, it's, it's a cigarette joke. It looks like yeah. the cigarette logo and it sort of sounds like the name. Um, but both of these were removed from the actual release to avoid any potential legal complications. Um, I got this from a Den of Geek article written by John Saavedra. So thank you, John. I suppose and, Nintendo um, was a little bit careful of having things that sounded like trademarked things at this point. Are you talking about the Donkey Kong thing? I am. Yeah, so Mike's Mike's teasing once again for our upcoming Donkey Kong episode. Um, Nintendo um, as a company was almost destroyed because of the Donkey Kong character um, and its similarity to King Kong. Sorry, Kat, what were you going to say? When did the changes come in? I like I know in Australia, I want to say it's been a while of advertising cigarettes and alcohol at sporting events. Yeah, I mean. Mike, do you remember? I feel like it was the 90s that they did an end to that. I feel like cigarettes, yeah. Alcohol is still a lot more <laughs> allowed to be advertised at things. Right. Because no, what harm has alcohol ever done? Sponsor, but it's not like, like, especially in Australia, we don't get the, this kind of signage for yeah. cigarettes and alcohol. But, uh, I know cigarettes was a lot earlier than alcohol, though. Right. So and, that um, would also be getting into that kind of timing as well, that you wouldn't want an implied cigarette in a game aimed at children. Yeah, it's not great. And it's also not particularly funny. Like, I don't know why they thought this was worth going for. But may maybe you're right, though. It was right on the edge of cigarettes being, like, scandalous. So, yeah. I mean, I think they go for it because it, it does evoke the exact sort of, like, branding you expect to see at a racing event. 
Yeah, I get you. I get you. This game also features a number of infamous shortcuts, such as leaping over the barriers in Wario Stadium. Um, You can hop over the titular Chaco Mountain, if you know how to do it right. But perhaps most infuriating slash interesting, there is an easily replicated glitch in the Tunnel of Calamari Desert, which is one of my favorite uh, courses. Do either of you guys know what I'm talking about? The calamari desert tunnel trick i don't i mean i know that it actually the manual does point out like ah don't be in there if there's a train even if it is a shortcut right and i saw that in the booklet as a kid in the 90s and i was like the tunnel's a shortcut cool so then i tried it and i was like i can avoid the train but you go in the tunnel it's all fenced in there's no place to hop off the track and cut the track so i never understood what this was until literally today. May I explain to you guys? Please do. There is a glitch where, and it's very easily replicated. So I'm showing them a map right now from the booklet of Calamari Desert. So you see the start line and you go to the right and then you go up north and then you head west and then you see the first railroad crossing, right? You guys are following along? Yes. Yeah. So it, so on the way to that first crossing, there is your first chance to get weapons. It's over there on the right-hand side of the screen, little circle. So you can get items here. So the trick is that you let all the racers get ahead of you so that you are getting the most powerful weapons, which would be, what would you guys guess? I'm going with the zapping. Good guess. Uh, Cat. <laughs> you, you need a special weapon to trigger this glitch. This is a stupid, I shouldn't quiz you guys because there's no, but I'm just curious if Cat can guess. It's not the lightning you need. Then it's got to be the other one. The ghost? (laughs) The star. Strangely enough. It's weird. So here's what you do. So you get the power star at this first thing. You go to the first railroad crossing. You turn left and go into the tunnel. Right? You wait until the little guy comes down um, and says, Lakitu, and he says, hey, turn around, turn around. If you turn around and activate the power star, it will think you have crossed the finish line and completed a whole lap. <laughs> so you can essentially skip a lap very, very easily using the tunnel. And I did test it and it absolutely works. And I'm really mad I didn't get a chance to use it on you because I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but definitely next time you're playing or maybe like we can fire it up after this recording. You got to see this. It's pretty wild. Guys, I love Mario Kart 64. Let's get into the Joy Pros. I think in many ways, it's a perfect racing game. Uh, I think the controls have been improved and expanded. Like the description says, it, it plays a lot more smoothly than Super Mario Kart. And you've got this scalable boost with the drift mechanic. You can hold down the power slide button. And then by kind of turning back and forth as you're sliding through corners, you can build up the color of your smoke to the point that you get a much bigger boost at the end. And it also added slip streaming, which is an actual NASCAR technique, or maybe it's just a racing technique in general, because I think actually bikers do it too, where you get right behind the person in front of you. Now they're hitting the wind resistance and it's not affecting you. So you can pick up speed and then slingshot around them Talladega night style. Fair to say, guys, you agree this game controls better? Much. It's also... Um, better control placement, like the buttons you're pressing makes a lot more sense. 
Now, on the Pro Controller for the Switch Online, you've got your right bumper, or the R button, as your slide, and then you've got the ZL button as your attack button. Use the items, because it's essentially trying to evoke the feeling of the actual Z button on the N64 controller being on the back. Um, Mike, what was it like to finally play this game again with a real proper N64 controller? Um, I will say, first of all, thank you for the controller. You're welcome. Merry, Merry late Christmas. There's an element of both. It works very well on this game, but also just using this controller again for the first time in quite some time. My first thought really was just like, I can't believe this was ever what a controller was like. <laughs> in a bad way? Yeah, it's just such a weird design Layout. thing. Yeah. But absolutely works well here. I'm, at least on this one, I feel like it did feel like the controls for this game were fairly solid on regular on the regular Switch controller as well. Yeah, I was wondering if you preferred one or the other, because I've heard people say, like, yeah, the Nintendo 64 Switch controller, which I got Mike for Christmas in case you can't tell, listeners, it's good, but the joystick on the N64 controller is not as comfortable or as good as the Pro controller, so it's kind of a step down for some games. Would you agree? I can see that comment on the joystick. Yeah. Like, it was novel for the time, but by modern standards, apparently not great. <laughs> yeah, for, for me, it was fine. Okay. I uh, I also really love the items in this game. Um, they've been expanded to include the ability to have three items circling around you. So instead of just getting a red shell, you have three red shells circling around you. And it's super cool because you can turn it into this barrage of projectiles like flying down the you know, track. Or you can use them as sort of a force field to kind of protect you from other projectiles. Or if you don't think you can pull off the shot, you just drive past somebody and let the rotating shells hit them, you know, in sort of a Mad Maxian kind of moment. I, I just love the items in this game. Um, you also get new items, you know, the dummy item box. That's really fun for head games. You can put it down in front of the, you know, row of item boxes to try to fool your opponent into picking it up and exploding. You got the golden mushroom, which, you know, gives you a real big chance because you can just infinitely boost for like, I think, 10 seconds. And then, of course, the infamous blue shell, which I learned today was actually created because the programmers learned that if the AI characters bunched up on the track, the frame rate would suffer. So the blue shell is literally a bug fix because it will always show up once the AI starts clumping to knock them apart and keep the game moving at a smooth rate. Isn't that cool? Interesting. Yeah. That I love so that neat. this, yeah, this, this mechanic was, was born out of necessity rather than like, I guess, torture. I just, and Oh, I love the item. I do find it interesting that cause you call, you call it the blue shell yeah, or spiny shell. Some people call it. Yeah. I was going to say, I think it was spiny or spiky in the manual. And it was like, I've yeah. always just thought of it as the blue shell. You'd be the tiebreaker. Blue shell, spiny shell, what do you think of it as? Honestly, I thought it looked purple, so... <laughs> that wasn't one of the choices! <laughs> I guess spiky makes sense. I have a little game about the weapons in Mario Kart. Do you want to do that after we talk about Mario Kart 64, or do you want to take a little uh, two-minute two, two minute break here to talk about it? What do you want to do, Mike? Let, let's, let's do it now. Let's do it as we hit it. All right, so um, since we're talking about items, I thought it would be fun. Let me go to my next slide here. 
Can we make a Mount Rushmore of Mario Kart weapons? Now, the listeners, I'm including all items in the Mario Kart series because, you know, it's gone on so long. There's more than just in this game. But if there were four Mario Kart items to sort of represent what those weapons or those special abilities are like, which ones do you guys think would make the Mount Rushmore? Um, Kat, you want to start us off here? Which one of these strike you as iconic? And then we can kind of support or veto depending on how we feel about it. I'm going to say the shells, but the problem is there's three yeah. options. They're probably right? the red shell I'm the green shell. But what about bl- the, but blue shell? Like blue shell was like had its big moment in the movie, right? And I had the same thing. And this is why I wanted to talk about it because I genuinely don't know which one it would be. I think we should come back to the shells because that's the hardest one for me. Okay, so then, Mike, which... The first one that strikes me as a very iconic, evocative thing is going to be the lightning bolt, because that... Lightning bolt. Yeah, because that moment of just like, this is going great, we're all shrunk, dang it, just feels like so Uh, much of a Mario Kart moment to me. Yeah, I wasn't going to say it, though, because it doesn't strike me as, like, you know, uniquely Mario Kart. Like, I could iconography-wise, if you showed any of these other ones to a random person, they'd be like, oh, that's a Mario Kart thing. But just the lightning bolt by itself, I get mechanically it's cool that it shrinks everybody regardless of placement, but it doesn't scream Mario to me. What do you think, Kat? Yes or no on the lightning bolt? I would say yes. Damn. Just because it is one of those things that I I, you remember using. <laughs> I'm really mad about this. <laughs> so childish all right well can i then can i say that i think you gotta get um the banana peel like i feel like it is unique in that it's like laying traps for your enemies and you know i think it's so cartoony and you know it's appeared in every mario kart game i think the banana skin as it's sometimes called is very very mario kart Agree, disagree? Yeah. <laughs> you don't seem too enthused. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can disagree. I don't know if it's worth it, but um, I mean it's this or like I want something to represent laying a trap for your enemies, right? Everything else like has different functionalities. I've you so. you said like that this was supposed to represent like all of them, right? I mean, I don't know. The Mount, it's not like the Mount Rushmore. The actual Mount Rushmore represents all of the country. But yeah, but I, I meant the, I meant our choices are sure. Yeah, not, that's that's what I'm intending. Because the um, item box trap is not even on here in your yeah. It's because it's only appeared in Mario Kart 64. All right, but that wouldn't that wouldn't make the Mount Rushmore anyway. It's only been in that one game. I guess I, I, I coming back to the shell thing. I guess the spiky shell just for. I think the because infamy of it. The, the infamy of it, and I think because that does specifically scream Mario Kart in a way that you know a green shell doesn't necessarily. Yeah, green shell could be sort of like any Mario game. Yeah, blue shell. It's like you're playing a Mario Kart thing, and you're probably mad. Well, then, so then, would you guys agree? Then I think our fourth and final item has got to be one of the mushrooms because we haven't had a speed boost one in here yet. Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> Cat. Mushroom, I guess. The other one that's a speed boost is the star. Oh, the power star! Ugh. Yeah, I kind of want to. I said guess because I'm like, I also want the star. Yeah, I want the star too. I mean, that's such a good. The star covers a speed boost also, so I think it fits what you wanted. 
Now, is this where I make a case that you ditch the lightning bolt and do one of the mushrooms? I mean, it's also the, the where you make that case and then fail to sway me. Don't get... <laughs> I'm good with this. Do we, do we want to get cheeky and say it's the three bananas so we have that level as well? Honestly, I want the five bananas where it's a full line behind you. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, that's the unique in Mario Kart 64. And then and then if someone it, hits that when you have all five, it does the bowling pin sound and you lose all five of them in one go. And it scatters all over the place. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, and I think it isn't doesn't when you get that, it just looks like the triple banana peel, right? No, like it's there a, is it's no a bunch. It's a it's a bunch of five. Oh, so there's three different types. There's one banana, three bananas, and a bunch. I think I'm 64 it's one and five huh well i'm good with this then so here is the old switcheroo mount rushmore of mario kart items we've got the triple pack of banana skins the blue shell the lightning bolt which i do not support and the power star and if look if you haven't ridden the ride yet plug your ears for 10 seconds okay guys i got chills at the end of that ride when you get the superstar and like the screens make it look like you're kicking into full speed. I love that moment. Did that hit for you guys? Did not. Like no, it, it didn't. It, or I... it just it didn't. It it's not a thing I remember. Oh. As okay. I said, I need to ride the ride again. Um, I am just waiting for it to be less insane. I get you. I get you. All right. Well, so let's get back to um, the tracks. God, I love the tracks in Mario Kart 64. They're iconic. They're fun to explore. Um, and they have all these little elements that really not only put you there in terms of like place, but also has sort of gameplay and strategic implications and effects on your race in uh, Koopa Troopa beach. You have this rising and falling tide, the railroad crossings in Calamari desert. There's parts where every racer is slamming on the brakes and waiting for a train to pass. I can't think of any other racing game that's had that moment where we're all having to stop dead in our tracks and we're all collectively waiting. And it's this really cool tense moment that I really love. Um, Moo Moo Farms has the minefield of chubbies. Um, the <laughs> I couldn't say that with a straight face. You guys know what I'm talking about? I don't think I have a screenshot for it. Um, the chubbies and Moo Moo Farm, you know what I'm talking about? You mean the moles? Every other game, they're called Monty Mole. But as Mike could back me up on, the booklet for this game calls them chubbies. <laughs> <laughs> Although they're they are much less annoying here than they were in in the SNES, where they just latch onto the front of your car. Yeah, yeah. And then there's no instructions telling you what to do. Yeah. So then you do two laps with a thing stuck to the front of your car because you don't realize if you keep jumping, eventually it'll shake off. But in this game, it's a it's a thrilling moment because this you know if you hug the corner, you're gonna go through this all these little holes on the ground where the mole might pop up and totally send you flying. So you can play it safe and just take the long way around them, but to get the best line possible, you got to risk it. That is good track design. That split second... In Mario Kart 64, Mole wax you. Yeah, very... Wow, man. That was, in, so, was that a Soviet Russia joke? Yeah. Oh, timely. Nice. Yeah. Um, uh, Toad's Turnpike. The... The tr the cars, the civilian traffic, these huge big rigs and buses and other cars you can run into. And then in mirror mode, they come at you 
when I was a kid, that was such a genuine thrill, realizing that I'm driving against oncoming traffic. Like, I mean, I can't say enough good things about this game's And I think on this one, it allows their fortunes change very quickly on a lot of these. And in a way that feels like you can take advantage of, not just that it's taking advantage of you. Or, you know, something like on Toad's Turnpike, realizing you can hug the railing and get between some vehicles and the railing to get through areas. I think I had something on this one where, like, on, like, the last, like, quarter lap or so, I went up five places to win. Dang. By some weaving through everything. Right. Yeah, that's really cool. There's also Yoshi's Yoshi Valley, which, when you're breaking against other players, it's... It's evil, right, Cap? What's evil about it? I kept falling off the sides. There's <laughs> like a lot of sections with no rails. But it's it's even more sinister than that because instead of a straight line like most tracks in almost every racing game, this is like a maze. Like you really have to like plot your course through all these different snaking turns and intersections and the game won't even show you what place you're in until the end of the race it's a question mark for everybody and you can kind of intuit by looking at the map and figuring out like okay about how far behind am i but what a what a simple and ingenious way to make this track stand out in my mind i can't i can't think of any other racing game ever that has hidden my place from me in the middle of a race and um, definitely my hits favorite. A, it hits a thing also with this one where I'm just like, I legitimately do not. I think I got better at it, but I'm like, I don't know how I'm supposed to go through through this because the first way that I went is like went through, maintained speed the whole way, and then I'm in like fifth, and I'm like, the heck happened there? Like yeah. I wasn't. I entered this in first, and so it's clearly like certain paths are better, and I don't know which. I found a. I improved on that. Yeah. But I'm very much like, I don't know which is the way that is the good way to do this. Um, The other thing I noticed with this one, which is really interesting, is when you get returned to the track, you don't necessarily get returned to the track facing the way you need to go on the track. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, he too doesn't even know where to put you. (laughs) It's really, really wacky. Um, Any favorite? So, do you guys have a favorite? My favorite in this game is uh, Donkey Kong's Jungle. It has so many cool elements. There's a cave section. There's this big suspended bridge. But my favorite has got to be this jump over the river. And there's like this big steamboat that's going back and forth on the river. And you can jump over it or you can jump into it. But, oh, it feels so big budget Hollywood movie moment. Um, And I just, oh, I love this track. Do you guys have any favorites? Wario Stadium. Yeah, the dirt, the kind of dirt bike, sort of excite bike style. It yeah, definitely I... has a much bigger feel. Yeah, and um, this was much more playable. It was much more enjoyable because yeah. of that bigger feel. You mean like you got more room to maneuver? But not only that, is like you're kind of not looking at the horizon the whole time. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to take in. Can totally you believe agree. that Rainbow Road in this is two kilometers? <laughs> yeah the booklet gives your length and that was a thing that you know um this game technically has less tracks than the super nintendo one but by distance it's a bigger game because some tracks are much much longer well, and also every one of these is its own thing there's a couple that feel fit feel similar yeah but really they're they're their own style their own aesthetic yeah, such very well that 
you know, it's not we did, you know, three that are all kind of the same with a slightly different layout and just numbered up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kat, did you have a favorite track or was it also Wario Stadium? Um, I actually really liked the um the beach one. Yeah, Koopa Troopa Beach. Yeah. I hate that. You do the shortcut. I do that. I like the that one's fun too. It has a fun shortcut where you can head to the right and kind of cut through this area with a bunch of crabs and like at times you're fully submerged in the rising tide, but it's a much faster through line if you can sort of risk it. Um, and then that is one of the tracks that features the guaranteed blue shell. If you take that huge jump and you actually jump over the titular Koopa Trooper rock, that'll be a blue shell every time as um. will the item box that is dangling from the Luigi hot air balloon in the very first track, that's also a guaranteed blue shell. That would require being able to get onto that rock because I tried I every did. single time and I yeah. kept falling off. I can't even get the one that's the ramp into the side of the rock all the time. Yeah, though you, you, you like jump through the waterfall. Yeah, like I did that, or, or you come out to the waterfall. I, I did that the first time perfectly fine. I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. And then the next time went up it and then just fell right short and got passed by three people. I'm like, and you're like, yeah, something's inconsistent here. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I mean, I could go on all day. So let me just kind of cut to the chase. I think that like visually this game still holds up somehow. I feel like it has this really appealing combination of 3d polygonal tracks, which look really good on high def television. It looks so much sharper than I was expecting but then the characters, the weapons, those are all these really highly detailed sprites. Um, but it doesn't look really jerky to me. I think it's just so visually appealing. I love how this game looks. What do you guys think about Actually, it? Actually, that reminds me, I'm going to change my favorite course. Oh. Because I think this is valid. I'm going to switch it to Block Fort. Okay. Well, let's get into that. Um, this game's battle mode is amazing. My we love this game. We've loved this game since we were teenagers. Talk to me about it. Yeah, so I think this battle mode has the right balance of there's a lot of environment to work with. Let's describe it for people who've never played it. Go ahead. Yeah, and so in Block Fort, which in retrospect, I think the color the colors are meant to represent the battle modes from the original. But so the battle mode is this nice and simple. Everybody starts with three balloons and... Which are tied to your cart, like yeah. literally tied to the back of your cart. Yeah, and it's very simply hurt everybody else until they have no more balloons. But the balloons is a great life-keeping mechanic because you can instantly, in a moment, visually see how close to death your opponent is. And then also, you know, it, it's, it literally ties you to the game world because it's not some heads-up display life bar thing like the balloons are swaying with every turn. And so it seems more satisfying to, to hit somebody and their little balloon starts to flow away. And guys, do you guys remember being a little kid when you'd lose your balloon? Wasn't that the most traumatic thing? I do not remember losing any balloons. I would imagine it would be unpleasant. <laughs> like, I don't lose my balloon. Kat, did you have balloons in Australia? <laughs> yeah, but... um, They float downward there. It's... <laughs> Well, my comment was going to be, my dad's a sailor, so he knew how to tie knots. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sailors would be very familiar with knots. 
So, like, we could actually, you know, properly attach balloons to either ourselves or items, and they wouldn't float away. Australia, Australia takes balloons very seriously. There's a whole movie about a guy that just attaches enough balloons to a to a chair to float off. Well, didn't he, that's a real story, isn't it? I believe it is as well. Is I'm not sure about the movie. I thought that was an American movie. All no, right, uh, we're getting Danny off topic. Jetcher. Block for it. Battle mode. Yeah. So you have a base level to it that's bounded in by walls on the far sides, and then you have these four these four squares, one in each quadrant, that have yeah, towers, ramps up, and then there's another tier to them that has another ramp up to that, and you have bridges between the adjacent blocks and so Towers, yeah. yeah doesn't feel like it doesn't feel narrow enough to be a tower okay forts they're forts yeah yeah and so they're it's very easy to tell where opponents are between the map and the colors yeah on the there color coding is a broken genius yeah i think that's that that's pulling from snes did the same colors yeah and it is just an incredibly satisfying thing also because and this does something that is so great and more games need to do is if you're playing with more than two people, when you lose, you are replaced with a bomb and you can go and crash into anybody and take one balloon off of them. Yeah, it's a bomb with wheels. They call it the mini bomb cart in the booklet. But it's like this wonderful like kamikaze moment. And it's great because like when you're killed and you're turned into a rolling bomb, you can't win. But I know Mike loves this. He'd rather ruin your day. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Screwing it up for somebody else is more satisfying than actually getting that victory. And, you know, once you run into another player, now you're out for good. But modern games don't It also do still keeps you in the game. You're yeah. not just watching. Right. And it's, it's hilarious, too, because, like, there's one thing that can kill the bomb, and that's the superstar. And it's this great moment of the hunter has become the hunted when you're zeroing in on a player, and then they get the superstar, and now the bomb is running away. Oh, it's this great, like, cat and mouse game. This is the most fun vehicular combat game I've ever played. And there's so many games that are devoted to vehicular combat. Twisted Metal, Vigilante 8, like... But it's never been better than this. And for those who've never tried it, it's like, imagine like this really cartoony tank battle, but the tanks are like moving at the speed of like, you know, well, go-karts. It's just, oh, it's just so great. And Mike praising this block fort level, you know, with the different tiers, you can go all the way up and you can snipe down to enemies below you. You know, so the high ground is an advantage, all of Star Wars. Um and then the alleyways in between each fort become this hellscape of ricocheting green shells and banana peels. And if you play for long enough, it's like you try to avoid even going down there. To this day, I'm impressed at this game's ability to keep track of a ricocheting green shell that I fired like 10 minutes ago. And it just keeps bouncing around the whole time. I feel like most modern games, things disappear after... I don't even know what, 30 seconds or so. So sort of the permanence of this game, I think is still really impressive. I love the battle mode. Yeah, It basically allows this to sort of push towards like a, not quite a sudden death type of thing, but it, it means that as this goes on, it gets more likely that you will accidentally hit something. Yeah. 
And so yeah. it kind of automatically wraps things up. In a really fun and silly way, though. It's like you're hoisted by your own petard so much in this in this game mode. And that's another thing that a lot of modern combat games won't have, you know. And in fact, right before we recorded this, Mike and I were playing battle mode, just the two of us. And I fired a homing shell. And Mike, like a freaking Hollywood action movie star, zipped around me and got behind me fast enough that my own homing shell, while trying to hit him, hits me instead. Because Mike has adjusted its path and put me in the way of it. I have a recording of it. I can't wait to show you guys. It's so wild. Well done. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. The, uh, cat, I cut you off. Um, do you enjoy the battle mode? Um, I don't love the battle modes. I prefer... The races have a more concrete goal. Yeah. Um, battle mode's a little bit too much. I'm just driving around in circles trying to get items. Yeah. Um, but that is because I am not good enough to actually <laughs> actively be attacking the other players. Yeah. Mike and I played this game a lot, and I think we're like a bit better at maneuvering but just by sheer years and years of practice we would play this game over and over again and we'd play this map mike until like one two in the morning sometimes yeah. you remember those days yeah no because it's it's this there's three others double decker is kind of neat because it's all stacked up and there's a lot of ramps up and down right and then the other two are both sort of circular maps with holes in the center that i'm yeah. less thrilled with and i think it's because actually both of those because there's ways to fall off it yeah. means that there is a release valve for way too many shells and that's the selling point is when yeah. suddenly you know there's 20 shells bouncing around and you're like i do not want to be down here i'm going to die yeah yeah it definitely re removes some of the wackiness uh so how about joy cons how about things we don't like you know as nearly perfect as this game is i gotta mention how much i hate banshee boardwalk this track it's in the final cup of the game and it's just full of these narrow platforms that have no rails. And so I'm constantly flying off the track and into the water. And I feel like I'm being punished for going too fast, which I hate when a racing game does that. It's like, let me go as fast as I want. Don't make it so impossible uh, to, you know, keep my top speed. And then there's also this middle portion of the track where you go through like this haunted castle and the architecture of it, the turns are so sharp that like the camera kind of collides in with the environment in a way that doesn't feel intentional. It's kind of the one track where I was like, ah, I would have gone with one more draft of this. Um, is there any track you guys really hate? Um, I did not like this one much. This took yeah, a lot of boardwalk. time to deal with. The other one is probably Sherbet or, or both, I guess Frappe. Frappe was worse than Sherbert, but those were both pains. Frappe is the snow level. Sherbert is like the ice level. Yeah, or I would think of it as um, Sherbert was where I crashed into penguins a lot, and Frappe was where I crashed into snowmen a lot. Yeah, um, the uh, the penguins, though, are real tough because they'll actually waddle back and forth and slide, and sometimes will seem to go straight for you. The snowmen, at least, are stationary. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Kat? Any, any tracks in this game you can't stand? Um, anything that doesn't have railings on the edges, so I keep falling yeah. off. Nah, Which does lead to one of the nice things here is this Rainbow Road has rails. Yes. But it's transparent. It, well, so? <laughs> uh, Why is that no, bad? So if you're not familiar with it, I couldn't follow the track. 
Oh, um, seeing more of the track and it gets a bit disorienting. Yeah. Yeah, but at least it's gotcha, gotcha. It's not it doesn't feel punishing. It's there's an adjustment necessary, but it doesn't feel punishing the way the SNES one did. One well, also like the Rainbow Road in Mario Kart 64. It has that huge jump. You just go flying off and like you catch like I it feels like almost 10 seconds of straight airtime. And if you don't get if you don't hit it straight on, you're flying slowly off into the void of space. So that's always fun too. And then the chain chomps going around, definitely a lot less annoying than the womps. You know, this game, its frame rate can dip considerably when there's too many players on the screen at once. You know, to me, it's never enough to lower my enjoyment of it, but it does kind of make you wish that they do a modern remaster. And then also they could fix the problem of there being no music in the multiplayer mode. Uh, to free up RAM, they removed the music and it kind of just you know, feels a bit empty. I guess you'd probably fill that silence with smack talk or laughter if you're actually playing multiplayer. But the music is so good in this game, it made me sad it was gone. Honestly, I think it also works in that sense because it means you hear the sounds of things bouncing around and stuff. Yeah, which is kind of okay for battle mode, but you don't need that as much with the straight-up race. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Then if it's not in the straight-up racing either, I did not notice. Yeah. It just kind of makes these really iconic tracks feel have like have a little bit less character. But those are my Joy Cons, though. Like I don't have too many. This is if you can't tell, this is one of my favorite games. This is probably top ten for me. Anything else to complain about with Mario Kart sixty four? Any other cons? Um, I found this much much better than um, the SNES. Like this one, I could one. actually win. Yeah, and it changes up who which of the computer characters are winning too. It's not always the same ones. So it feels a bit more like an actual race. Yeah. yeah. Actually, cause yeah, I actually, I do not have any cons for this game. Yeah. It's, it's pretty fantastic. So onto the final game. Uh, be- before I was going to ask, so if you like this game so much, did you beat this game? <laughs> Thanks for asking Mike. I intended. Oh, that was a close one. I almost forgot. <laughs> yeah. And so that, that means that like, you got gold on all on 150 on all the cups, right? Well, to clarify, we said you just had to roll credits, but I I have also done that, yes. Okay, but yeah, you did that and got credits. Correct, I rolled credits. So did I. Oh, whoa, not even, uh, here we go, Mike Nintended. <laughs> hey, Kat, did you ever beat this game? Nope. No. <laughs> we, played the, we played the Mario Kart that I disliked most. And because I was so frustrated with it, I had, I was just. We started with the SNES. And that was probably a bad move. Right. Kind of soured it for the rest of the experience. Because I just, I didn't want to play because I'm like, I can't, I can't get my brain around these controls. And your eyes are physically hurting. So it's just like. Yeah. And then the other night we played this one and um, the next one. And I'm like, oh, I'm actually going to come back and play these again where i will not go back to the uh snes one yeah i hear you all right my friends anything else to say about uh, mario kart 64 before we head to our last game for today no i think we're ready to move on to the last one then let's go on to our final game for today mario kart super circuit released for the game boy advance in 2001 
All right, according to the official description in the Nintendo Switch Online emulator, it says kart racing is back and ready to kick it into high gear. Speed through 20 courses and hidden bonus tracks, each loaded with classic power-ups and primed for the free-for-all racing that only Mario Kart can deliver. Each character has their own unique racing skills. Find your favorite or master them all. Wield all of the best items from previous Mario Kart games, including bananas, red shells, and the fearsome spiny shell. Burn rubber in the Grand Prix, race your own ghost, or shift gears for the mayhem of battle mode. The power's in the palm of your hand. So that is the description of Mario Kart Super Circuit. Um, pretty straightforward, I think. Looking race at your own Japanese. ghost is a great phrase. If you don't know what that means, it just seems weird. Yeah, that's true. In a way, aren't we all just racing our own ghosts? <laughs> For those who don't know what that means, Mario Kart games and a lot of racing games, in fact, have a ghost mode where you try to set your best time. And then on the next attempt, you can see a transparent representation of you from the previous race. So you can see exactly where you took the turns and potentially where you screwed up so that, you know, you can visually see if you're going faster. The Speed Racer movie has an amazing homage to this feature. If you haven't seen it, Speed Racer, um, Wachowski, Wachowski yeah. Twin. The Mario Kart movie. That movie <laughs> is both better and worse than it should be. Right? Yeah. It's like really hard to pin down in your brain, but definitely. I. It's one of those movies, if you haven't seen it, dear listener, um, you got to watch it just to have an opinion on it. It certainly won't bore you. So um, look at look at the box art for Mario Kart Super Circuit. <sighs> Not a lot to say about it, you guys. I don't think so anyway. You know, you got Mario Kart here. Uh, he's Mario's dead center looking back this time. So now the cart's facing away from you. And I, I always hate when Mario is made to look tough, like badass Mario. It just like, it reminds me of like gangster Tweety. If you guys have any idea what I'm talking about, like that weird trend in the 90s where like Looney Tunes characters, like wore a lot of like chains and like baggy clothing and they try to have like an edgy look to them. I don't know. It doesn't work for me. What do you guys think? The 90s were weird. The 90s were a weird time, weren't they? Mike, what do you think of this cover? It is it just feels very profoundly meh. Yeah. It it conveys Mario is in a car. Yeah. And clearly it's a racing thing because we've got like the laurel back there. The laurel like a little like uh, winner's wreath sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. The North American box art, it's very, very similar. It's just, you know, you don't have the little cart racers in the corner showing that it's a multiplayer game, but they just tell you it's multiplayer. I think because of the blue background, you at least have the color contrast. So I would give the edge to the North American box art, but it's hard to muster up too much feeling for yeah, either that, one. That's a win by default. Right. Like it's slightly better with the blue, but it's not doing much. Yeah. Kat, any thoughts on these covers? Neither of them are really super appealing. Yeah, yeah, it's not great. A rare miss, Mario. Well, so uh, Mario Kart Super Circuit was published by Nintendo. It is the only game in the series to be developed by Intelligent Systems. Most games are developed by Nintendo directly, but Intelligent Systems made this one. We're going to see them again, Mike, when we do our Paper Mario episode. Paper Mario, a fantastic and kind of the only RPG on N64. And also they worked on Super Metroid. So if you look at their gameography or, you know, their list of works, it's really impressive. They've had their hand in a lot of great Nintendo games. 
Super Circuit was one of two dozen titles to use the mobile adapter GB. Mike, I'm always excited to show you some new peripherals. Um, any guess? It's not that hard to figure out, but like, what do you think this would do, and how is it going to connect to Mario Kart Super Circuit? You or Cat have any idea? Um, I don't. Not sure. I understand the question there. Of uh, like, it's got to be something for connecting multiple Game Boy Advance discs. You think right? that? No, is you're this wrong. For connecting a controller. No. <laughs> this would connect your Game Boy Advance to your mobile phone. And it was so you could upload your best times to like a global leaderboard, which is kind of cool, but also. Eh, like... What phones were you connecting to? You like your Nokia? It was um, a proprietary mobile phone of which Nintendo had partial ownership of the company. Gotcha. So it was only a very specific type of phone. It was sort of their attempt to kind of, you know, get more people to buy the phone and the people who have the phone will buy the Game Boy. Wasn't super successful. It is interesting, though, because it has only about two dozen games, like I said, but it does have a version of Silent Hill. Uh, which our friend Chris and Crystal, you know, we have a big relationship with this series. There was a choose-your-own-adventure novel that you could play on your Game Boy Advance, and I'm not sure how it connected to the mobile phone, like what the purpose of that would be. My guess would be so that you can see, like, the choices people made, because like I said, it's just a choose-your-own-adventure. It's not like you're going to have, like, a score or anything. But uh, it was there. The um, other bit of trivia... I found for Super Circuit involves a man named John Hulatin. Hulatin did narration for Wave Race 64. When we get to Wave Race 64, Mike, we're going to hear an actual person announcing the lap number, the winner, the loser. The legend has it, this is according to a post on VGFacts.com, while this guy was recording lines for Wave Race 64, he was handed new material that he did not receive in advance and said, hey, can you read this? without being told what it was for. So he did, and apparently that some of his lines were used in Mario Kart 64, not only without his permission, but without paying him for that. So he was furious, especially since Mario Kart 64 spelled his last name wrong in the credits. <laughs> he was immortalized as John Hulatan with an R instead of Hulatan with an L. And so this led to a really strained relationship with him and Nintendo. And the footnote of the story, it didn't happen until um, 2020, a YouTube channel, Did You Know Gaming, reached out to him to ask him about his involvement in Super Circuit, the game we're covering today for Game Boy Advance. His voices were used in that game without his consent, without paying him, without his even knowledge. So he discovered his voice was in a game. And so the tweet goes, imagine not knowing you were in a game for 19 years. Isn't that wild, you guys? That feels like an oversight somewhere. <laughs> you think so, right? I don't know. I just thought that was sort of interesting. There's not as much said about Super Circuit, but let's focus on some pros, some joy pros. If you're viewing this as a direct sequel to Super Mario Kart, I think there's a lot to be said for this being a step up. It's got brighter colors. The sprites are a bit more detailed. They have like a bit of shadow and shading to them, kind of trying to look similar to the sprites that were used in Super Mario, or sorry, Mario Kart 64. 
and the tracks feel less flat. This game, to be clear, for those who have not played it or watching on YouTube, it feels like a step back for the series because we no longer have true 3D tracks in polygonal space. We're back to this flat mode seven style graphics because that's what the Game Boy Advance could handle. Yeah, although I think they do two things that make it feel less like that. Go for it. One is that they actually use the backgrounds to have things going on that interact. Yeah. You're, ta- you're talking about not the track that's sliding beneath you, but the actual horizon line has different things to see when you turn. Yeah, and so like you've got um, on one of them where you have a ship out there that starts to fire things that come onto the track. One of the others has a volcano that is causing debris on the track. So yeah. that certainly helps. And I actually the think... The sense it, that you're somewhere else. Yeah, that it, it feels more three-dimensional and i think the other thing that helps even though the walls are not always great still is the question boxes the item boxes being 3d was great i wish the coins actually i wish the coins weren't in the game but given the coins are in the game i wish that those had a similar thing to be clearer where they are and because by having that it sort of shows you where the track is And there's also like some, they're not actual 3D, but they're sort of like standing up obstacles. Like there's trees on the side of a track that you could run into. And, you know, it's kind of looks like a pop-up book. Honestly, it looks like someone just folded up a piece of cardboard, but it's better than the first game, you know? So at least looking at a pause screen, there's more to, there's more to see. That had some of the pop-up things too, like the pipes and stuff. I guess, but they just felt not only more prominent in here, but also you could interact with these ones. So, like, there's a level I'm showing you here where you drive through this desert at the sunset. And, you know, aesthetically, it's kind of a cool one, but there's these, like, teepees. And if you drive through the teepee, you come out the other side, and there's, like, a shy guy clinging to you now. You got to shake him off a little bit. I mean, that's the same deal as, like, when that happened to me, I was prepared because it happened to me with the stupid moles in uh, SNES. So, yeah, I guess you're right. These were represented in the first game, but... It is to me the game felt less flat, but still pretty flat. <laughs> and Kat, you said this one hurt your eyes as well. Um, not as bad. Yeah. You say brighter colors, but it's not actually brighter colors. It is more colors. Are you? Good point. Very good point. And because you have more gradients to a color, it's not as harsh. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you said that perfectly. It feels more vivid, but you're right. Bright is not the term because it's it's literally not a brighter looking game, but it is a more painterly sort of appealing game to look at, I think, at least in a pause screen. Yeah. I also think, you know, this controls better than you'd expect. Like a, the Super Nintendo game before it, it's sort of surprising how you kind of can slide around turns. You can, for the most part, go the direction you you know you meant to. And this game also started the trend of reusing old tracks. Um, This features a bunch, if not all, of the tracks from Super Mario Kart. And this would be a staple from the series going forward. After Super Circuit, every Mario Kart game would have an older version carried over from it. So I thought that was pretty cool, you know, to see the start of that trend of, like, remastering tracks. Does it not count, then, when... uh... For the N64 when you had Rainbow Road again? Well, but it was a different layout. Okay. Yeah, those are different. Okay, so these are same layout, but... okay. Yeah, exactly. I should have clarified. Sorry. Yeah, same layout, but visually 
boosted up to the sort of like how in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, you have like, oh, this track is from the Super Nintendo, but it's three dimensional and you're going up on the walls. There's anti-gravity section, but the top down bird's eye view of the track is essentially the same. Ah, okay. I, yeah. I treated them as more or less different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind this, of about it. This was the game about... that introduced me to the spin turn, which I didn't know was a thing in these. What? You know, like a, hold down A and B to just spin in place? A and B and turn to a side, and it does a much sharper turn than you get out of like drifting. Well, I would do that in battle mode, but you're saying there's incentive to do it during a race? Um, Sharp turns. It was useful in, uh, in situations where I wa- where the drifting would take me too wide and I needed to make it sharper. I'm going to try this right now. <laughs> so some of those turns that were like some of the hairpin turns, it ended up being a lot more useful than trying to drift around those and taking them too wide. Oh, I just tried it. Yeah, that is a much tighter turn. Yeah. It's sort of like, I feel like in like those really annoying tracks, we're like, oh, this is a 90 degree angle. Okay, let me just, would you call this spin? Was this something you found out in the manual? Yeah, yeah. It's, in, it's introduced in the manual as a spin turn. Huh, super cool. Yeah, didn't know it was a thing. It's like, oh, that is actually helpful. I didn't know it was a thing until literally 30 seconds ago. Was that the extent of what you liked about this game? I think so, yeah. It it didn't feel like it stood out as such. Yeah. Kat, anything you liked about Super Circuit? I know you're not going to be a fan based on how you talked about it, but... Actually, this one isn't too bad because the controls are more intuitive. Yeah. They don't hurt my brain to make it work. Right. There was one issue with the controls, and I can't remember what it was. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it doesn't feel as good to play regardless. But it does kind of feel like, okay, this is sort of a remake of the Super Nintendo version, but with a lot of the things that made Mario Kart 64 better. I think there's also some element to credit with, which was, at the time, this was a, how can we give you Mario Kart portable? Right. The very first portable. Yeah, and the answer now is the Switch already is portable with yeah. the other games. So you don't need the, we've cut some corners to make it portable. Yeah, and I think that's a good segue into the Joy-Cons. Like, it feels like a step back for the franchise because, like, you got the Switch, you even got the Steam Deck, which has parity with, like, Xbox, you know, Series S and X and PlayStation 5. Like, you, you, the Steam Deck is such a powerful machine that we don't, really have mobile gaming as its own category anymore so this sort of feels like a game out of time i think you know it's it's a back step that was understandable in 2001 but in 2023 like yeah why would you go to this one yeah i, th- I think the most i have as a con is that it brings back the coins which i do not like yeah, it feels... I've always thought the coins felt a little unnecessary in Mario Kart. I mean, in Mario Kart 8, you unlock new cart pieces. You can customize your ride in those games. So collecting coins will get you more of those. But beyond, like, an unlockable mechanism, I agree. Not a fan of the coins. And honestly, even in that case, you could just as easily do it by, like, points earned in track finishes. Yeah. But like everything I didn't like about Super Mario Kart, it's still here for the most part. It's got the flat sort of tracks, you, which which now feels like, well, you know, this is released, what, four or five years after Mario Kart 64? So like even though it's portable now, you actually, Mike, you full on forgot this game was released afterwards. <laughs> I don't think I forgot. Like, I didn't realize. I didn't, I didn't have this. Because it feels like, yeah. Yeah. 
or because I think I just think Game Boy and it's like, oh, that's older. And I don't really think about how long Game Boy in some form goes for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but there actually is a way in which this is graphically inferior to the Super Nintendo version. The Super Nintendo game rotates the track. Like, you know, Salki said, you're not really turning because it's not a true 3D game. The layer that represents the track is spinning. Are you guys still with me? It's a good trick. Yeah. So in Super Nintendo, it would rotate at 60 frames per second. This game had to knock it down by half to 30 frames per second. And the rest of the game is 60 frames per second. So like the 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 horizon layer Mike was talking about, that moves smoothly. The items move smoothly, but the actual turning has half as many frames of animations as the Super Nintendo one. So if you play one right after the other, this one will actually feel a bit jerkier and still fully playable. Did not notice that at all. Yeah, it's like you, you, the brain sort of, sort of blends it together because it's like a, like we said, a more vivid looking game. But technologically, not as good as Super Nintendo. And I think it kind of takes a hit for that reason. And, uh, you know, the battle mode wasn't very fun. And it feels worse now because, like, the first game is like, well, good for you. You invented battle mode. This is coming out after the perfection that is Mario Kart 64's battle mode. So some part of it felt harder to forgive and harder to give, you know, sort of automatic participation points for. Again, even though it's portable now. Like, unless you're on the bus... Like, yeah, I would never play this game at home if Mario Kart 64 was an option. Do you agree? Yeah, I think that, I think that really is the one key thing, is it was meant to be portable, and that's no longer a selling point. Yeah. But, I mean, there's other portable games that are just fun on their own and don't make you wish you were playing a different version. This just this just wasn't one of them. Um, Kat, any Joy-Cons about Mario Kart Super Circuit? Nothing that's coming to my brain. I think we went from this to we went we kind of progressed so i played this and i'm like i can't multiplayer with mike but this is such a level up from the one i have just played that i seriously appreciated this because we played this before we played 64 yeah 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 and you know we should also mention because she said i couldn't play multiplayer with mike that's because on the nintendo switch online retro catalog you can play Game Boy Advance games multiplayer, but only against someone who has their own Switch because there was no split screen mode. Even though, let's be honest, it's 2023, they could put a, they could fake it. They could run two of these on one screen, no problem. But Nintendo is not doing that. There's a I little bit that you have to ha handle on that. So I, 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 I will grant them that one, that for just adding stuff to this, I think it's understandable. I, it's understandable, but also feels just kind of like, you know, these games are so old, you really can't, you can't make this, you know, you should be able to, to have an easy access to this. I mean, the real crime is that Counter counterpoint here. can't, yeah. The counterpoint here, though, is would you play that, that local multiplayer if you also still had access to the, to Mario Kart 64? And that's the thing is that to get access to this game on Nintendo Switch Online, you need the expansion pack which includes the 64 emulator. So this game is coming bundled with the much better game. Yeah. So I think at that point, then it's not exact. It, that doesn't matter to it either. Yeah. Yep. I hear you. 
that's all I really have is that like my cons are kind of contextual, but they're pretty big contextual cons. Yeah, I'm so. I'm going to slightly ask. So for, first of all, you mentioned how many tracks there were. <laughs> and that mentioned extra tracks. Yes. Where were like like or like secret tracks or something? Well, the the final cup, doesn't it only unlock when you get gold in the other ones? Oh, is that how that All right, right, cuz this is it said 20. There's four regular cups and then a fifth. Right. But there's five tracks for each cup. Is that what that was? Correct. Well, okay. I'm loading my so I'm guessing you never saw so there's the mushroom cup, flower cup, lightning cup, star cup, and that's all you start with. Yes, I was thinking then, of those as only having four, not five. Correct. Yeah, they have um yeah, four apiece. And then the final one you unlock is Lakeside Park, Broken Pier, Bowser Castle Four, and yeah. the Rainbow Road. Okay, yeah, that that I forgot how or the five rate five tracks to a cup isn't it's not like it's not a wrong choice, it's just a weird choice to me. Yeah. So any other joy cons about this game? I mean, I feel like it's very well made, but it's just feels kind of irrelevant. Yeah, I don't think so. I think I think my last question with this one is, did you beat this? Oh, Mike, you well, hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. And that means rolled credits. Yes. Right? Yeah. Under. <laughs> y- yes. And then I'm going to ask you what the stipulation there is, because I'm now I'm curious. Well, it doesn't matter because Mike, I intend did beat this game. Because I rolled credits, but in the final special cup I unlocked, I got silver. So I got gold, 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 silver. And I was just like, I know that Mike's going to make a snarky comment about this, about not really beating it if I don't get all gold. But I just couldn't be bothered okay. to try again. This game is... Uh, which engine size? Uh, 150. Okay. Yeah, it was the difficult one, but I didn't quite get all gold. Okay. <laughs> Because I, I, I did beat this on the 50cc with all gold and wasn't motivated did, to go back up. But did you see the credits? Yes. Congratulations. Hey, Kat, did you beat this game? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you can't. I just didn't get the sense that you did. <laughs> or, or, no, like or the only one I'm probably going to go back to is 64. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, I think that's actually a great um, segue into our final segment. Um, any other thoughts on Mario Kart Super Circuit before we wrap up this episode? I don't think so. Kat, you good? I'm good. All right. Well, guys, let's go on to our final segment, which we are calling Nintendo or Nintendon't. We're declaring um, whether each game is worth your time as we make our way through all 200 plus games in the uh, Nintendo Switch Online Retro Catalog. Let's go in chronological release order, starting with Super Mario Kart. As the world's first kart racer, I think it really does a lot of credit for literally creating a genre. And I think it has two strong things going for it. It's interesting as a milestone in gaming history. It's the very first Mario crossover game. It created a genre. It was the first use of this sort of fake 3D racing with multiplayer element. The very first one was F-Zero, but this was the first one to like really blow up. And this game is available at the base subscription price of $20 a year for Nintendo Switch Online. So for that reason, it's a Nintendo for me. I don't expect very many people to play through all the tracks since they look and feel so similar. But Mario Kart is a global phenomenon, and it's so ingrained in gamer culture. I think it's worth a look since you probably have access to it right now anyway. So... Not necessarily because it's fun to play, but because it's kind of worth seeing where it all started. 
I think it's Nintendo. Kat, what about you? Um, I'm going to be a don't. Yeah. Mostly because of the things I complained about earlier. It is a cool element of history. Yeah. But sometimes cool elements of history are fun to look at, but not necessarily fun to experience. Right. So you can appreciate it without actually having to play it. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, so wait, so I would you say you're a Super Nintendo though because it like physically hurt you or are you going to give it enough credit to be just don't do it but don't super not do it? <laughs> this made no sense. Do you get what I'm saying? I don't like it is cool for what it is. So like if that is your vibe, check it out. Yeah. But if you are just looking for something to play, then this would definitely be like a don't. Yeah. Mike, what about you? So tiebreaker, I'm a do, she's a don't. For as many, so I have a bunch of issues with a lot of things in this. Yeah. I kept going back to try to beat stuff. So like something in there is working. So I think I've got to go a Nintendo on this one. Yes. 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 As much as things frustrated me on this, there was this drive to try to get through this. It wasn't enough to shake me off and just give up on it. Okay. So a Nintendo, you can't quite put your finger on it, but it's there. Yeah, I, th- I think something about the mechanics of the handling is enough for this to work. Nice. Okay. So then that's a Ninten- uh, two Nintendos, one Nintendo. So that one ultimately lands in the favor of Super Mario Kart. Let's go on to Mario Kart 64. I simply cannot say enough good things about Mario Kart 64. It's fun to look at. It's fun to play. It stands the test of time. It has a huge amount of variety when it comes to the tracks, the weapons, the gameplay modes. I don't think I've ever picked up this game and not had a good time. It's not a Nintendo. It's it's Super Nintendo doesn't feel like high enough praise. Mike, you know, our guest um, uh, war boss, Ryan Lay there, he was saying that there's a Nintendo 64. Can I give this a Nintendo 64? I intended to as well. So, yes. Yeah, it's <laughs> so good. It's 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 one of the most perfect games I've ever played. It is, in my view, it is by far the best Mario Kart I have ever played. Yeah. And it's weird because a lot of people, they they frown on it. They put it like not even in the top five sometimes i'm like really and i I, a big part of that is this has the best battle mode which is so often either underdeveloped or just sort of a afterthought yeah and the mario kart 8 deluxe puts a lot of effort into the battle mode but it's just i mean when that game originally released it didn't even have any special tracks you just did battle mode on the regular tracks of the game and it was terrible the deluxe version they released on the Switch has special maps. It's still just not as fun. It's just there's something. It's a combination of they still try to run that with, what, 16 characters on there when yeah. you're doing the battle mode. So partially I think it's that. And th- it means that there is a simplicity to the battle maps in this game that there's enough to work with, but they're not, they don't feel overly complex. Yeah, that I think is a problem that plagues some other multi multiplayer level things where it's just like this is now too big, too complicated so that the level is getting in the way. It's not aiding anything. All right. So that's two Nintendo 64s. Um, super, super high in our books. Um, Kat, would you say this is a Nintendo? Uh, definitely a Nintendo. 
having only played these three plus eight, I would say this is better than eight. I think eight has eight has too much going on. Didn't you play like the Mario Kart and like the DS or something? Yeah, but I think um, but isn't that the same as the um, or is that a different version? Yeah, because I used to play the DS. It's its own game, but it like at that point they had started borrowing tracks from a lot of previous games. There's a lot of similarities. The DS one, I believe, is the one that added the hang gliding. Oh no, wait, no, that was 3DS. Man, there's been so many of these games. Yeah, we were play. I was playing on the the DS, so I had the two screens. Yeah, well, so that could have been the 3DS, which was a, there was a Mario Kart seven and nine, I think, were on the DSs. I don't remember. It's okay. So, where on the scale of Nintendo's is this? Is this a super? Is this a Nintendo? A Super Nintendo or a Nintendo sixty four cat? Um, probably a Super Nintendo for me. Nice. Heck yeah! Well, I think that like that means this is officially our highest rated game because we have like two Nintendo sixty fours and one Super Nintendo. That's yeah. It does good. help that we only recently created that highest tier, so that does give it an advantage <laughs> well, to get there first. We didn't even create it. Yeah, Ryan created it, but I love it. Well, so I don't think it's gonna quite hit those highs, but Mario Kart Super Circuit, Mike. Why don't we go with you first? I think I've. I think I'm going a Nintendo. Yeah. As much as there's some things I like about this and it's playable, I can't feel myself wanting to go play it. Yeah. Cat, Super Circuit, Nintendo, or Nintendo? I want to ride the line on this one. It's more playable than the first one. Yeah. For me, so I would be more of a do, but it's nothing on the 64. Okay. And like even like later versions, so this would probably be a don't. Oh, well, final answer is: Do you think it's worth our listeners' time to try it oh, out? Oh no! And unless I, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm struggling with it like you are. If you are a completionist and you need to play everything, maybe play it. But otherwise, but you're not, so it's a Nintendo. Yeah, there's better versions, so a Nintendo. Yeah, my heart, it breaks for this game. Like, it's well-made, it's on paper, it's enjoyable, but it just feels like a game stuck out of time. It lacks the novelty of being the premier Mario Kart title, but also lacks the much more enjoyable tracks and modes and weapons of its predecessor, Mario Kart 64. As much as I'm a fan of this series, this entry just really fails to stick in my mind. I'm never drawn to revisit it. And it's only available at the upper tier of subscriptions to Nintendo Switch Online. You got to get the expansion pack to play this game. But if you do that, then you have access to Mario Kart 64. Why would you choose this game over it? So for those reasons, although there's a lot that it does well and deserves credit for, I got to give it a Nintendo. I just, I think without the novelty, you could play Super Nintendo Mario. You could play Mario Kart 64. This one's I think, is kind of skippable. So, guys, this was so much fun. I had a great time talking to you all about Mario Kart. Um, Mike, it's always fun talking to you. And Kat, it was especially lovely having you here. Can we hear about your um, YouTube and your cross-stitching one more time? So, yeah. So, I'm Kat. Um, my YouTube slash Instagram is Kenso, K-A-T-C-A-N-S-E-W, all one word. And do you do tutorials for cross-stitching, or are you just showing off your creations? At the moment, it's mostly just me talking about my stuff, what I'm working yeah. on. Um, I do want to get into a little bit more 
tutorials and stuff, but right now I brain. Yeah, it's all good. And what's your current project? Let's tease the listeners that they want to join us here. Um, what are you working on right now? Honestly, I'm work. I'm trying to finish four projects before the new year. I just have beading to go. So I've got a couple of big projects, which is a really old lavender and lace Celtic Christmas, Ooh. and then um some smaller current Mill Hill seasonal ornaments that I'm trying to get finished before the end of lovely. tomorrow. Well, now that I know your channel, I will definitely see how those turn out. Can't wait to see it. <laughs> and guys, speaking of uh, channels and, you know, checking things up on here, um, this has been um, the Old Switcheroo. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, don't forget to like and subscribe or to comment below. You can join us at theoldswitcheroo.com. That's www.theoldswitcheroo.com at the end. And from there, you can get the links to our Discord. Uh, you can leave us an old-timey voicemail. You can find the links to all of our social medias. We zeet, we gram, we tube, we talk. And we would love to hear from you. So um, be sure to join us next time for our season finale. Mike, we did it. End of season one. We're going to be given our 16th bit retrospective as we cover the superstars and Nintendo's of our first 16 episodes. It's been a lot of fun. I've had so much fun making these with you. And uh, one last time, guys, this has been the old switcheroo where we've been gaming retro with Mike and JMO. I've been Mike. And I've been JMO. Game on, everyone. What are you working on now? Um, I'm trying to edit my whip parade. Your whip parade? Uh, so, yeah, I did uh, end of year all of my projects that I'm currently working on. Explain what the word you used means. Yeah, because whip parade sounds way kinkier than I'm expecting, probably. Uh, <laughs> no. Work in progress. Oh, work in progress. <laughs> ah, yeah, that little H changes a lot, doesn't it? The advantage of having cordless headphones is I can bring them with me and still hear you guys. Oh, I don't know if taking our sound with you is necessarily a good idea. <laughs> great, plug, great plug for a podcast, though. <laughs> Wouldn't it be terrible to hear us on the go? <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs>